0: thanks for listening so this is a new podcast it's talking it out about so each time that we do one it will be about something slightly different we're going to focus at the minute about um, functional neurological disorder um, and we'll see where it takes us hopefully we can have a couple of people come in and join us and give us their side as well Um, so stay tuned and see what we've got planned So, last time we covered stuff on... Hello, everyone. ...the Rosa Burden Centre. We covered the starts of my journey. We covered kind of little bits and bobs like that. And we're moving into doing the main bulk of what we found to be useful. On the last one, we asked for people to reach out to let us know what experiences they'd had with physio. Um, So, we've had... Quite a few people reach out and say they've had physio and neurophysio, and the physio helped them to build strength back up in their legs, and the neurophysio helped them to show what was possible, um, with FND, and that they were found to be useful for different reasons. Other people have had outpatient physio from non-specialists, which they didn't find as useful and didn't feel they took anything away from that physio session, um. Others have had five-day in-stays in in, um, St. George's and they came out walking and they've managed to keep their walking normal Um, since then. People have had the use of mirrors, which I had in hospital, narrow spaces, so they make you walk while you look at yourself in the mirror.
1: Is that, does that? That's
0: to try and help coordinate with your brain. Oh, Okay. But I didn't. That didn't help me in any way. Yeah. So some people have found it useful. Some people haven't. Um, narrow spaces where you couldn't fall, so it forces your body to not kind of kick out like my leg would do. It kick out to the sides. Is that
1: like because uh, I know you posted a video, didn't you, before where you were walking like assisted? Is that narrow at the feet level then? I remember. Ma- so so was this quite is. Tight.
0: I I didn't do the narrow space one. So I walked between two bars. Yeah. But I was never in a narrow space, so I would imagine the way that this has been described to me is that they were in like a blocked-in space that was narrow, yeah, to force the body to walk in a certain way, which is and interesting. And then they were held whilst they walked, so they weren't just left to like fall, but yeah. they were held whilst they were walking.
1: But that's interesting because you were all a lot of the times you've been told specifically, like, not to overthink on any of your symptoms. So, like, mm-hmm. you were uh, I can't remember which ones, but oftentimes you were told, like. For example, if your legs aren't moving the way you want to be moving, almost not to try and get them to do specific the move. So not you're not trying to physically raise your knee. What you need to be doing was just like achieving an end state. So so much of your physio was a lot of like was like distracting your brain. So that you would sort of like Mm. do it accidentally. Like if we go for a walk or something and and we're talking, we're not thinking about the walking and the walking just happens. So it's interesting that other people have had physio. Where it's been specifically. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so then um, people have tried treadmills um, and lots of different things have come through as suggestions for how to help. And it's been a real mixed bag of whether or not people have found it useful or not. Like you said, like a lot of my physio was distraction based. There wasn't apart from my first hospital stay for maybe the first ten minutes, there wasn't a lot of focus on learning to walk. It was about moving and doing other things whilst walking. Yeah. And then So that was
1: to distract you then. It would yeah.
0: So then that was the main purpose and it was difficult. Because as soon as you put the focus on just the walking, it would get worse.
1: Do you, So when it was happening, do you remember, like, how what was your brain thinking? What were you thinking? How did it feel for your focus to Couldn't go on to it? it? So, it was, so were you trying to sort of talk me through it? How were you... Because obviously in my mind, like, I guess we, we don't really think about how we do things, do we? We don't think about walking. You just sort of do it. Your brain just knows the routine. And I know back then, certainly, we used to think, well, like... You've had like sort of the main episode, whatever the big incident was that sort of sparked the FND, and like the brain sort of just reconfigured, didn't we? So it was like it was fixed in the in the structure that it was, and then all the sort of neurons or whatever sort of like tilted ninety degrees. So the patterns were there, but they weren't creating the effect you wanted. Mm-hmm. So what was it so what was can you sort of talk me through How how it felt when you were? Did it feel any different when your brain was distracted than when it wasn't? So it felt the exact same. Well, I can remember.
0: I just remember walking. How I wanted to walk. I I didn't. I wasn't choosing to walk in any different way. I was just walking, and I know physio had made comments to me about why was I choosing to do it that way, but it wasn't a choice. I wholeheartedly believed that I was walking normally Mm. I didn't and trying to walk what everyone else would call normally felt very very alien like it still causes me a problem now going up and down the stairs like if I'm tired I can't do those stairs properly because it feels wrong so your normal feels wrong to me Mm. and it felt very wrong to me it felt like I was doing everything backwards and your walking was the incorrect one. Not my walking was the incorrect one.
1: And how did the like dissociation play into that? Because I remember thinking that the dissociation was was actually a, a really big stopping point. Because in my mind, I thought, okay, let's say you believe that you're walking normally because your brain still is fixed in that pattern, but it might like as if if for example as a non dissociative person, <laughs> I would look at <laughs> trying to. Probably the nicest way I can phrase that. You can just
0: say normal, it's fine. (laughs) I'm not going to take offence at that.
1: (laughs) Somebody could. I would think, like, so let's say if I started walking and suddenly my walking was going wrong, I would think, right, I know what normal looks like, so I need to make my limbs do that normal As far
0: as I was aware, I was walking normally, wholeheartedly.
1: But you were dissociating at the time, weren't you? Yeah,
0: so, but I was... I, I have a very clear memory of telling being asked by a physio why I was choosing to walk the way I was choo- I was doing it. And mm. I was like, I'm not. This is the way that my body wants to walk and it's normal. Yeah. It completely rewrote what was normal for me. And, and something... it's taken me ages and it still, it still catches me now where that is my normal. Like, there's no way of getting around that. My normal is not normal, but it is for me. Mm. And like my speech, like, I had no idea that any of it was going wrong. For me, it was all just the same. I hadn't stopped doing any of it. So, like, when we went to see, like, speech therapists and things, like, does that sound normal to you? Yes. Mm. To me, it sounds normal. Even when, in my worst speech, you couldn't understand what I was saying. In my head, I knew exactly what I was saying. Yeah. Because I understood what I was saying and I understood what you were saying, I was able to understand what was happening around me. But it wasn't normal. It wasn't the norm. It was very different, but my brain had rewired to the extent where it had rewritten my normal and was just accepting of it.
1: So there was like there's two sort of really sort of key points that I drew from that is that you've got firstly like there's there was always that issue with feedback. So it was like you couldn't recognise that the new way you were doing wasn't correct. Mm. Now obviously I can understand in your brain, because it was always the way you're doing it, and your brain obviously you don't recognise your brain having changed. You're just like, I'm just doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't think about how you walk. You don't think about the individual muscles you have to use. So you were just doing it. But you couldn't recognise that it was wrong. So even where your legs were moving a really crazy way... didn't matter. It was normal. Yeah, it was like you couldn't see your own I, limbs. I, yeah, no, I,
0: it was quite normal for me not to be able to find my feet mm. or not know where my legs were. Like, that was quite normal.
1: But once you... When you weren't in your dissociative state, it was... So that's... This draws me to my second point. So once you're in your dissociative state... Quite frankly, there was there was the only way to get you really walking better was to completely distract your brain from the state it was in. When you were dissociating, there was basically nothing we could do, which is why so many of the physios, like I would explain to you, oh, the way you're walking is wrong, but you wouldn't you wouldn't believe me essentially hmm. because you're just like no, this is the normal way. And I
0: remember you getting frustrated with me because I think at points you thought I was putting it on.
1: Yeah, and we I, didn't know.
0: I I remember that you you got mad at me because I wasn't using, you were like, it's just your hip flexor. Just use your hip flexor. Don't think about the rest of your leg. Just use your hip flexor. And you'd poke my hip flexor to, to cue me to which one it was. Yeah. And I would literally, I'd be like, I've got literally no idea how to make that particular singular muscle mm-hmm. move. And you got very frustrated with me quite often because you were like, just use your hip flexor and I think I was, in my head, I, I think I was like, but it's not just my hip flexor. If it was just my hip flexor, I wouldn't be walking like this. I would have had more control. Yes, it might be that my hip flexor has forgotten how to fire, but there's something else in my brain that's stopping that hip flexor being able to do it. So I remember you getting quite cross and irritated, rightly so, because you were like, just use your muscle. Just use it. Just use it, and you make me like move my leg in certain ways. But the problem was, is because you were moving my leg in certain ways, it triggered non-epileptic seizures. Mm. So I couldn't move my leg in the ways that you thought I should be able to, because it triggered the seizures. So I had to keep a very.
1: Which is, I wonder why that was, because it was very. It's very clear. So even now, whilst you're tired and you can, you're not dissociating. As you start getting tired, like as you go to bed or something, because you, the way you walk upstairs is your left foot goes on to the higher step and your right leg comes on to the same level step, mm-hmm. where typically you would walk every oh, go other sideways. step. Yeah, yeah you, or you go sideways. The reason you do that is because you have to use your hip flexor to bring that leg higher. Now, if you stand up and stand up tall with your front leg forward, your body swings that right leg forward into the centre line. You have to use your hip flexor to raise the knee. If you
0: can't tell, it guys, forward. it's got a real thing about hip flexors.
1: It's just the one muscle that I knew you weren't but, using. But
0: well, then we played, like, football, and I could kick a ball. So I yes, could use but, it then.
1: No, so I th- I still think that shouldn't was I shouldn't have opened this
0: Pandora's box. I should never have mentioned the word hip flexor. No, I think We'll no. never get off it now. I'm really <laughs> sorry. This is going to be a very in-depth conversation about my hip flexor.
1: So there was... a Yeah, but I think this is important for, like, for physios, because they will they will understand, and they will know.
0: Or they'll laugh at you and think... No,
1: <laughs> No, because you can use momentum in like torsion yes, in your I'm body saying, to bring that forward. I just so,
0: think it was a very simplistic view of, that you had. Yeah, but it's not wrong.
1: It's still it, correct. No, it's not. It absolutely no, is. no, it's not. Why then do you think? If any being, physios
0: are out there that want to argue their point, please let us know because otherwise this is going to be a point of contention forever. Zena for us. doesn't
1: have a leg to stand on. That's huh.
0: I, mean. just, I do hey, have uh, one good a leg a right, to stand on. A right leg to stand
1: on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can the. the the point was, though, is that, so, for example, if the whole reasons behind it aside, if when you use that muscle that causes a non-epileptic seizure, leg shakes or anything, that is a really good explanation as to why naturally you are averse to using that muscle, because you recognise using that muscle brings on those seizures. Yeah, but it didn't even have to be
0: using it, it could just be that someone, tu- like when that doctor examined me before I ended up in hospital the second time, he literally touched it. Yeah. And that set me off.
1: But so but that's the the whole re the whole sort of surrounding point is that actually there is something to do, for some reason that muscle, whether it's utilized or manipulated, triggers or is the build up to using it, which is why you couldn't walk properly. Because if you know, oh I can't touch it because it will cause whatever this problem. And that's a really good like a really good marker for us to know, well actually there's something to do with that. Now as you've dissociated less and less quite frankly it's just not been an issue because all those symptoms all the physical symptoms the talking and the walking they were when you dissociated very rarely actually have they been so much of an issue when you've not dissociated so we spent a lot of time and effort and we'll go over some of those in a minute on things that helped but actually it seems that most of the ways they helped was they brought you out of that dissociated state because when you're Completely fine as you are now. You can think things through and you can understand. But like I, th- I know a lot of the times when you're dissociated, and the um, doctors and stuff, obviously they try to explain things to you. You simply just wouldn't retain it, so it would be like they make no progress whilst you're dissociated. So it was always no. so it was always like that was always, to get that, you But out. that
0: that was the difficulty with the unit. Mm. I didn't make as much progress as I could have because I literally couldn't remember. And that's not from lack of trying on their part. It was just I could not retain whatever they told me. And there's the same now with like the speech therapist I had or the physio Mm, or or talking. Whatever it was, I could never retain it long enough to embed it and access it and go back over it. As soon as we were done with the conversation, that was it. Like, I won't remember this conversation. We'll sit here and have this conversation for however long and I won't remember it.
1: It's interesting as well, because I would say to you, for example, his name, and I would point at someone and I'd say, his name is Paul. And I would look at you and I'd say, what's his name? And you just look at me and like, you could see your brain was working, but you couldn't make the link. And I'd say him, and you'd look at him and I'd say, his name is Paul. What's his name? Same with and, the dogs though, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it wouldn't make any difference. Like it's, it was we made no short term memory. Do you remember the book? Uh, with your family in it,
0: with family and friends in it.
1: Mm.
0: So I, I we made a book to try and help keep the names in. So because I just couldn't retain it, everyone ended up with a nickname, and there mm. were some cracking nicknames that were given to people. And it was you put nicknames to a lot of things. I as put well, nicknames didn't you? to loads lot of loads inanimate of things. objects as well. Yeah, everything had a nickname. Every person, every new person, or every person generally had a nickname. Like, oh. The one who just got married, even if she'd got married a year ago. Yeah. or the oh, the one that just bought a house. Again, it doesn't matter on the timeline. Or Breakfast Boy or Bread Boy or whoever it might have been, they had a name because mm. I could not place. I knew that I knew them, but I didn't necessarily know why I knew them mm. or how I knew them or what their name was. So... You were quite lucky in that respect because I never actually lost your name.
1: Very Your rarely, name yeah. stayed,
0: although recently I have started to lose you. Your name stayed, and it was the constant.
1: Well, that sounds worse, doesn't it? Just yeah. starting to lose me. I think, though, I would say maybe three or four occasions in the last two years, like when you, the only times you have ever forgotten me, you have that confused look on your face, and it's like you're trying to place me as well. Um, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah, you're just cutting around my house then, and just—it's <laughs> not your house. As long as you can't remember it, it's uh becomes mine. I think I've wrote that in the, I wrote, <laughs> wrote that in the deeds. Um, yeah, so uh, so I think when we had obviously through all of that, uh I think we basically we made very little progress specifically with the physio, with speech and language.
0: There were things that we took away as useful.
1: Yes, there were. But
0: there was a lot that unfortunately just didn't seem to help and I can't I can't place really the point at which I started to make really good steady progress for me for me it's all one big blur Mm. of random memories so I can't sit here and say oh it was May last year I suddenly clicked back in and that was me I don't I I've got no
1: and that's been said to us as well actually that there has been said to us that like it can just click back in there can be something and like you know this you is where you never
0: know what though yeah
1: by this point you know we had i think you just started doing sort of like talking therapy sort of thing and a lot of that was that there could be something you know there could be something in your life where you've blocked it out or you know for whatever reason you you don't wish to broach the subject and that talking about it, it can, like, click into place. Where suddenly, like, suddenly you just suddenly remember Mm. something and you're like, oh, yeah, right, here it is. Um, So we started making some, like, pretty good progress between us, sort of talking about things and and trying to understand, uh, like, a lot of times it was just, like, your perspective on things, how you viewed events and what they meant to you. It was your
0: way of getting me back as well.
1: Yes, it was. That was, uh, I mean, have we even covered that yet?
0: I don't know, but it was your way of getting me back.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, in the early, probably for the first... Three months, because Zena was. I think it was longer than that. At least, yeah. Uh, but, but <laughs> at but, minimum, but, it was three yeah, months. That was the 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 initial like outlay was. You had to diso- you would dissociate basically twenty four seven. The only times you weren't dissociated were maybe one hour a week in the evenings, where just the conditions would be right. I'd, we we might like sometimes you'd want to go for a drive and like the. Driving was really helpful for you, I think, because you're you're distracted. It was night time, like you can't really do anything and your mind just sort of operates in the mm. background. Um, or we were sat on the sofa, like TV was off and everything like that, and we would have a conversation. And to start with, it would be like drawing blood from a stone, but we would cover topics that were particularly important to you. It mm. doesn't have to, you know, they're not necessarily... Like work. Yeah, work and family and friends and like your motivations and things like that and as we cover those topics and as we got to things that were like more difficult for you to talk about suddenly you just switch back in and for me it, it like because obviously I was just I was just living in this world where I was like she's gone she's gone from me and like nothing I can really do brings her back except there'd be this one hour a week if I'm lucky and it it, t- it took me a few weeks to work it out as well where I would push these conversations to try and find more details out and you would suddenly step back in and the first time I did it was like like a you got like balancing on a spider's web or something like that the first time I did it I'd draw attention to the fact because I'd be like so excited I'd be like oh and then I'd like I'd use your name or I'd get you to think about your name and I'd be like look you're doing it and as soon as you consciously put that effort in to process like oh you're right you'd cut away again but
0: my name was a trigger it was, yeah. So the other thing that happened whilst I was at the unit is my parents had come up to see me on, like, the first weekend, because you can't go home, mm. and we'd gone out to a National Trust place, and I was in my wheelchair, um, just cutting round, and...
1: As you do, kind of Yeah,
0: just wheeling my way around the National Trust place, and, um... They had said, my. we were talking, we were sat having, I think I was having a jacket potato and they were talking to me and they were saying my name a lot and it actually triggered the start of a non-epileptic attack but it wasn't like a seizure, my hand got stuck and I got stuck with my hand in a fist for hours and it just got stuck because they were saying my name so much and my name became a really big thing. And then gradually I went from being stuck and if you look through my Facebook page back to May of that year, whatever year it was, you can see I've put up a picture where my hand got stuck above my head and I couldn't actually get my hand back down and it ended up resulting in both my hands got stuck and then I ended up having a seizure in the back of the minibus in front of people, which was horrible, but it linked from the fact that my name had been said a lot mm. and that was... The other thing that I lost, I lost my identity through dissociating. So when you then started saying my name a lot, it it put that brick wall up for me and I couldn't. So I remember I was sitting on the sofa and you asked... I was back mm. and you asked me to say my name and I felt myself slipping from right in front of you mm. and I watched it happen and I was in my brain, I was shouting at you to stop it and leave it alone because you were going to lose me, yeah. but you kept going and you kept going and then... I disappeared and you went, and you're gone, aren't you? And I just I looked at you and I looked at you with like two sets of eyes, the eyes that were actually present and then the ones that had been locked away back in my brain. Mm. And I was like, yeah, because you pushed it. You pushed it too hard. You can't push it that hard no. because you lose... I can't hold this level of brain activity for that long if you push me that hard. You've mm. got to do it in a more careful way. And,
1: and I just didn't know at that point. No, po- like, at that point... Um, and I do want to come back to sort of like the 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 not liking of your name, but at that point, it was like she was gone, and any time I was like like you know suddenly like a portal had opened up, and I could reach through and I was desperately trying to grab her like that's what I was doing I was like pouncing on it sort of thing and and over weeks, I realized you just don't talk about it, and like i'd like i'd let it st- i'd let her stay increasing periods of time, keep like I, we'd, be t- we'd talk for like an hour and a half, two hours, and I'd just be trying to think of anything that was really difficult to talk about. Anything that was like emotionally challenging, because I knew it would keep her there. Like, I would have to intentionally cause like issues and think about things that would be hard, because I was like, she'll stay longer. And over time, the longer she gets to stay in this state, I was like, this will work. And even, and I would wait, and it would be like right until like the two hours. So we, we'd talk, we might even talk I think we'd talk from, for like half six to about ten and I was just like trying desperately, and like I'd be thinking some days like we hadn't spoken for you know Zena had been present for a few a week or something, and I'd be like, oh, "What is there to talk about? I need something new, like something that is gonna some new topic where it's gonna be difficult for you." There's only so many things you can talk about.
0: You um you used to get facts wrong as well, purposely to bring me back as well. What like? I this is a vague memory because I was out of it, but I was not out of it completely. I don't think we went out for lunch with your dad Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and we were sat in a restaurant and I was looking out at the river and there were swans or something on the Ah, river. Ah, yes, I do
1: remember that.
0: And you were relaying something and you got the facts wrong. Mm. But because you got the facts wrong, I got cross with you. So I jumped back in because I was like, no, that's wrong. Like you can't. And I remember your dad's, face being like oh god she's back and you were like yep this happens and you tried to like reassure him and then as soon as I said my bit I went back to just staring at the swans on the river and Mm. then I remember hearing but not taking in but hearing you saying it happens a lot she'll come back if she needs to and clearly she felt like she needed to then so she came back
1: so, yeah, that had been, I think, you know, that had probably been like... I don't know
0: where that was in the timeline, but I remember it happening. I
1: think that had been, so this had been sort of somewhere four or five months in, but I mean, that's much of it. So I had developed my understanding that even when you're dissociated, you were always there. So at some point I realised you weren't gone, that you were... I was napping. You were napping, but you were there. You were, I did, So we'd worked out, because at some point you had started spending enough time in that... You were able to relay little bits of information quickly before you disappeared again. Um, and so I understood that you are always watching. So although I'd look at you and I would talk oh, to you... i that thing a
0: monster thing. Always watching.
1: <laughs> always watching. <laughs> um, yeah, but you were always there. So, So I knew that you were always looking out through your eyes. Now, you might not be able to explain yourself and you might not be able to justify to me... That, that is happening, but I knew it was. And once I knew it was happening, it was okay. I just knew that there was an issue getting through that barrier.
0: And I know that we've had a couple of times, like I've written down on a whiteboard or a piece of paper and said I'm here mm. when I've been dissociating. So it's now that I know my main brain, the brain that's currently talking now, just has to go and have a nap. Yeah, It's like it gets too tired and that brain just has to tap out. Like, currently, as we're talking, I'm on that very fine line. I can feel it. Yeah. So I'm working quite hard currently to stay here.
1: But that's something that you've practised as well. You've practised, like, keeping yourself in this I'm trying state. trying
0: to, yeah. It doesn't always work.
1: No, it doesn't. But the, what's interesting is, like, you all... you off, We realised as well, you would text people and you would text in your normal voice, your mm. normal texting voice. It was like... Using that, having the phone access gave you a way of still communicating. Like it crossed through that barrier mm. somehow. Um, it
0: broke out of like the the main brain's napping. Mm. It gave me a mode to communicate outwardly to people that even if what I presented wasn't going right, the other part could get through and communicate properly.
1: Yeah, and you would um, sometimes, and you've, and more recently now it's the opposite. So there's this minority time where if it's too pushed too hard, you'll slip back and dissociate the other way, and you will know, and you'll say, like... So, some, interestingly as well, you'll actually tell me, oh, I'm still here, and, mm. like, you haven't properly gone yet. So, like, we sort of put it into a stages of how bad you are, stage one being perfectly normal, no issue. Stage two is, like, you're starting to slip. Like, you're. I can just see you're getting a bit tired sort of thing. Mm. Um, stage three is, like, sort of a solid... Just like resting, sat on the sofa, but not really n- much idea of what's going on. And then stage four was how you existed all the time for the first six months or so, where you were just basically completely gone. You'd be barely in stage two now, where you're just starting to go, and like I'm just starting to pick it up. But sometimes I haven't even picked it up at all, and you, and then you say like you'd either write it down or because like you'd feel like that was the only mechanism you had to get it at, at that point. Um, and you'd say, oh, you know, like I'm I'm here sort of thing. And I'd be like, yeah, that's okay. Like, I know you're here. Like, I know you're here. And that's the way I approach it now. Before I thought you were gone. And I and I just thought I only had this brief moment. That, after that point, once I learned, I always um, treated you as if you were here. So even if you couldn't answer me, I always treated you exactly the same, which is why we started doing a lot of the things which we haven't even touched yet, on that list um, of things that you just enjoyed. Because I knew, and what we've now learned as well, everything that you did, like a conversation. So the the, the one at the pub is a really good example. You were dissociated at that state, but in retrospect and increasingly, you, you recognized those events that happened whilst you were dissociated. So if the dissociated state was a secondary state, um, you wouldn't recall it because it was like, I imagine like another personality. But in fact, they're, they're crossed over. And that some of your brain is working and some of your brain isn't. And you can't necessarily get that voice out, but it's still remembering things. Oh. And you will tell me things now. And you were like, did we go to this place and see this person? And like, that would have been like a year ago. And for some reason, it's just clicked back into your mind. Um so what, what that tells me, firstly, is not to not to be mean whilst you're dissociating. No, I
0: don't do that. Don't tell me there are trolls living under the stairs yeah, or under the bed.
1: Because you remember it. Yeah. Um, but, but also, that's an opportunity. Because what that means is that even when you're dissociating, there are still opportunities for learning and for, and for being in a good place. I don't think that those opportunities are wasted. Doing things that you enjoy and doing things that benefit... Do still help because they still form an important like part.
0: And I, the thing is, is that I don't know how many other people have FND and the dissociative states that mm. I've had. I've literally seen or heard from maybe two other people that have both. So, whilst it's not specifically FND, they do go hand in hand. But it makes it more difficult. It makes treatments more difficult and things like that because you just don't have a sense of self in any of it.
1: And I, um, what I have thought more so recently is that, and I don't know if this is the way you actually feel, but my interpretation was you dissociated because you didn't like who you were. Now, that might have been for whatever reason. It doesn't mean like you're mad at your achievements or anything, but it could be the state of mind in which you had before, as in, what circumstances did i determine it was acceptable for me to be happy when did i have to feel anxiety you had set a, a construction for you, for that personality and it made you unhappy whatever you were doing it made you unhappy and your body had tried telling you with like feelings of you know sadness or whatever for years mm. and years this doesn't work for me and you weren't responding to it or you felt like you couldn't respond to it um and so that's why, like in my mind, that now, that's why you had that aversion. Because that person you were before, she's constructed a set of rules that didn't allow her to be happy. So you were just like, well, you know what? I'm just not going to be that person then. I've tried fixing that. That didn't work for me. And then you went off and you were a different person. And that person, the advantage of the dissociation is that it started, you got to be completely free. The rules were scrapped. You could decide what you wanted to do. And the evidence I've got for that is your filter, as you've always said. Hmm. Your, la- your lack of filter. Because one of the things which you would do when you were dissociated is, is you just sort of talk how you felt. You would just explain if something upset hmm. you, you just say it was upsetting for you sort of thing.
0: But um, I lost the emotion.
1: You did, yeah. You did lose the emotional side. And I, I don't know what the... I don't think
0: that's necessarily fully come back. I have lost the ability to show particular emotion. And express it in the way that I feel I need to. Like I have forgotten how to cry. For example. Like that's something that's helped. Have very difficult conversations. But. It takes the emotion out of it. So it means I've not had that, emo- that chance. To like emotionally cleanse it. Because I've had to just logically cleanse it from my brain.
1: And as a man. I mean I've had you Know 30 years of not being allowed to cry, so like I can understand. I <laughs> roll, I can understand why. Actually, though, if you can, if you under if you think about maybe you're what you've gone well, quite frankly, I've always had the ability to cry before, and that actually never improved my situation. And maybe you've now gone, I think I was a cry
0: person before, I just ha- had the option if I wanted it. Yes. And I think now it's been taken from me. It's just irritating.
1: But maybe, again, it's maybe you've just learned. Maybe it just doesn't add anything. Maybe. Like, you, you miss it because you used to have it. But if, for whatever reason, you've determined, like, it doesn't seem to benefit you. Because you do cry sometimes.
0: You, yeah, but, like, when you, you say, like, when I'm tired, I always tell you I want to cry. Yeah. But I can never do it.
1: And that's, yeah. So it's so something, something I that. go back
0: to each time. I feel like I want to cry. I have the feelings and the... The feeling in my eyes and kind of all, everything physical happens. The only difference is, is that I don't actually cry.
1: Mm. My thinking at the moment is that you want to cry, and I, and I don't know how true this is, but you want to cry because in your mind you're still there and you're upset that you're in this place again. I don't know if that's true or not, but like that's my feeling. Like you recognise you're not able to communicate properly because I know your mind is still in there somewhat, um, and you're saying, "Well, I'm sad." Like I, as you, we, we all do. We're all sad that. We can't express ourselves, and we feel trapped inside our body. But again.
0: I think, like as you were saying, like I just couldn't, like I I didn't recognize myself when I looked in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I'd completely detached from who I was before. And if mm-hmm. you ask me now, what I was like before I got sick, I can't tell you. I've got no placement of that person at all. The only memory I have of being a person, really is now. Mm. I've got nothing. I can't say, oh, I used to like this or that or what I was like as a person at all, if I was kind, if I was horrible. I've got literally no placement of it. All I've got is the vague memories that come back of what people have said to me and the feeling that I have of who I am now. And I still don't fully have my identity back. That's something I'm still working on. It's not, I'm getting better at it. But I'm not fully there in having my own sense of identity come back to me. Like, I'm still missing sections.
1: And how do you, do you think that's beneficial?
0: I think it depends, doesn't it? On. Uh, I don't know any different, do I?
1: True. But how do, so, you, how do you feel? Do you feel like it adds value or do you think it I feel makes like it's harder?
0: It's allowed me to reinvent myself. How true to that old self I've been, I don't know. I could have just completely... I could be deeming it as reinventing myself and actually I'm exactly the same as I was 20 years ago. Like, who knows? Like, you just don't know. So in my head, I've reinvented and become a very new person. But equally, I'm aware that that new person could be exactly the same as the old version. I just have no link to it. I have no memory of it. So I've got nothing to compare it to. And
1: that's that's where I think, like... Well, I don't again, there's no. I have no way of knowing how true any of this is, but that's where I think maybe that's why it's come about that it's just gone. We need to try again. You know, we just need to try. We need to try a new approach to this life sort of Quite thing. But like
0: being born again, I've learned how to speak. I've learned how to walk. I've yeah. learned how to function. I've literally been born again.
1: <laughs> um, and, and sounds and, very
0: dramatic when I face it like, but actually that's kind of what's happened but
1: that's how I felt so like you, need, so you would feel bad because you were like oh I've taken up all this time like it's taken me so long to recover and things like that but in my mind I was always like no you've realised the previous way which you approached your life made you really unhappy before and your brain's just wiped itself and it's just gone well look we're going to try a new way because we need to do something that works sustainably for us so you would say, "Oh, you know, oh, you know, it's been like whatever. It's been two years now, sort of thing." And I'm thinking, "Well, actually, if I correspond that with a child, how long it takes them to form their—that's not
0: at all how that happened." Which bit? <laughs> you are relaying that incorrectly. Which bit? <laughs> you are the one that. Pushed, were pushing and saying, "It's been two years. You should be better." Yeah, so early that wasn't on. that wasn't me. It's not been who, two years yet. Has been two years. Almost. No, it's been over two years. We are. It was two years last. Yeah, night. but I'm
1: you saying two years now, as in I'm relating it to where we currently are, not how I felt twelve months ago. I'm talking about how I feel now.
0: Okay, but you were very much the one that was like, "It's been two years. Pull your socks up and get on with it." And that used to that. wind me up no end.
1: That was what we were saying. I would say in the first. Twelve to fifteen months when we were still forming our opinion.
0: Whenever you said it, it used to wind me up beautifully.
1: Yeah, get a grip of yourself. But it wasn't working clearly, and as our understanding improved, my, my how I phrased it and spoke about it was very different. But like I had no one to talk to about it for that first six months because nobody knew anything, even like the FND help websites and stuff like that. Really, don't talk about how you actually engage with someone who's dissociating. It's like, it's not conceptually how you understand. And I know a lot of people don't want to approach it this way, but I was trying to break it down and be like, right, what does this mean? Because if I understand what's really happening, I can help and be like, right, you know, if you need, fine, if you need three years, but you're going to form this new sort of approach to life, that's cool. Like, and once I realized that, that was fine. Like, kids take years to develop because they're trying to work out what works. And I, I remember you not having a filter, and specifically, like, you know, my family would come round or something, and you would say something, where if this was like sort of normal company, I would say, oh, you know, why are you saying that? It's a bit rude sort of thing. But because you were expressing yourself, and like you were feeling confident to do so, I always really encouraged you to have no filter, because I was thinking, here it is. This is you feeling it's safe, to express yourself, and I was like, "Brilliant! Like we can we can refine the edges in a couple years' time down the line. But right now, what we want to do is just encourage you to feel safe and confident to express yourself. And how often do you felt whether you work or your family or any other sort of social situation where you with people and you thought something, but you thought to yourself, "It isn't safe for me to express myself. I can't. I'm not important enough to express myself. People would not care about my feelings or my thoughts." I'm not like important enough to do that, and I feel I think your answer would be quite a bit of the time. And I wanted to encourage you to do anything that improves your confidence, anything that you could go from. I'm not really that important to. Yeah, here's my opinion, and I'm going to express it. And certainly, very early on, I think you were like, oh, I, you know, you just didn't have a filter, and increasingly, it was like. Oh, no! I don't have a filter. Sorry, and then you would take this great satisfaction from being able to feel in control of a conversation where you get to just express yourself, and like I think over time we realize you don't need a lack of filter to say that. You can just do it anyway because it's perfectly acceptable because you have worth, and you can you can just do it because you're important off your own back. Um, but like that's such a good example of how things and certainly I understand my perception of it has changed as well because my initial approach to it just wasn't helpful. Because I just thought I'd lost her, she was gone, and I was just trying to claw at it sharply, expecting things to happen straight away. Um...
0: You were very much... Do it now. Get on with it. Just fix it. Just be. You had very much a... This is the list. You work through this list and you get better and you just deal. I think we had many times, when I was around, and potentially you and other people butted heads a lot about that approach I know that talking man's butted heads with you over it because actually whilst it's useful to a point it's not necessarily the most conducive way to support someone's recovery so yes if you are a carer of someone who has any of the things that we've just expressed go for it push them but be aware that if you push too hard It might go the other way for you. It depends on that person's personality and their characteristics. Just be aware of it. Being supportive is good. You need to be supportive, but if you push too hard, you might fall down in the fact that you reinforce something incorrectly. Would be my only
1: Mm.
0: word of warning on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know I'm pretty like blunt with things, and that. No, not you. I know. I wouldn't be blunt. That's I'm I'm get I'm growing. Growing I would never describe you as blunt. But uh, there is a flip side, and the flip side is that I always perceived that the nice approach was exactly the reason we were here in this first place. You so got so
0: mad at me as well. I
1: got like, so I, I would get frustrated because I, in my mind I had decided, and I still think this is true, <laughs> but but the approach is slightly new, more nuanced now, that I had decided that you believing, and I genuinely think this is probably true for a lot of people that you think by being nice and putting yourself second that you are perceived by others as nice and i inc- i just don't think that's the case i think what you do is you put yourself second to others but that's not how it's interpreted what it it's really that's justification being nice is justification for not asserting yourself and not saying you're important and i think that people give an excuse of being kind oh, yeah, well, it's OK, they were mean to me because, um, you know, sometimes they just need to express themselves. Or, oh, it's fine, they can, you know, they can have the house, they can have the dog because, you know, I don't want to cause an issue, I want to be nice sort of thing. But most of the time I think actually that's just excuses for people not being assertive and saying, you know what, I am important, I want the dog in this it, divorce I... or something like that.
0: <laughs> Suddenly went to divorce and a dog, I okay. yeah, but
1: I'm, I'm saying, like, I think... I think sometimes people can give niceness, this virtue as an excuse, when actually it's masking, not asserting how important, as the, an individual, you believe you are.
0: The other issue that, because you're, just as a side point, I struggled with anger a lot. I would got angry very quickly. When is this? Just throughout this journey, as you like to call it. Journey. I'd get angry quite a lot.
1: Well, don't stop believing, honey.
0: So it would be the small things that would make me angry. So he is currently sat here doing something that annoys me. And he's done it three times whilst we've been recording this. Is it picking your nails? And I am am having to work very hard to keep my anger in check because actually it really irritates me. So things we found to help to kind of subside that anger was to throw a ball or... To kick well, football or whatever. But mm. there was a time when I couldn't express anger in any way. And then I flipped the other way and I expressed too much. So, like, if... And my friends will attest to this. If you ever try to play catch with me whilst I'm angry... Probably not the best because I have no power control.
1: But when you when you dissociated you had no ability to even this is about the feedback as well. You had no ability to recognise how hard you were throwing, no. but you would really enjoy it. Yes. And what, so why do you think then that there was no you you don't you didn't feel anger? Because you never felt it was safe to feel angry. In your mind you had decided no, if I'm
0: angry's bad.
1: Yeah. you've decided that haven't you? There's mm. a rule. If I'm angry, therefore I'm bad or mm. it's wrong mm. and like, from an outside perspective, I'm like, no, there are plenty of reasons to be angry but that are perfectly justified. But in my head, justified. especially
0: in my state, there was that wasn't happening. Mm. Anger was bad. I'm not doing it. If you fall off that chair, I will laugh so hard it's and I would have wished I would have filmed me. it.
1: I'm simply rocking back in a chair. Everything's fine.
0: See, in school, I'd be like, six six legs on the floor, please.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, it's making me cross just sitting here watching you but do it.
1: part of that is... Giving you the strength to change the things you can change and manage the things you can't. But I mean, I think, I think the anger was a really. Um, for it just you fits with the
0: crying thing as well. That was all. It was something from the crying. I yeah, should have but it was
1: such a big point for you anyway. And you never know which emotions you believed it was wrong to feel anger. So yes. you had a whole emotional spectrum that you had just blacklisted and just said, no, everything in this bracket is wrong. So imagine the circumstances whereby it's perfectly reasonable anger. Any circumstance where you've been in some injustice against you is perfectly reasonable anger, and you decide nope that makes you bad. And what that means is that any time any real anger comes in, instead of it being sometimes your fault, sometimes somebody else's fault, you just say it's all my fault. So you take on these increasing number of things that have gone. This is now my fault. This is now my fault. Um. Oh, okay. Why don't you just tell me it was wiping dust off the table?
0: Because you're not actually wiping anything off the table. You're just dragging your hand across the table. That's what's making me angry. Oh,
1: here, I understand. It's because you've done a poor job of dusting the table, and that's what's being represented. No, okay, fine. I won't dust the table. But fine. Yeah, I mean, you could have just said that. Either way, it's really interesting, though, isn't it, that there was a whole emotional bracket that you had just doubled your guilt for, essentially. I don't know. It brings you so much rage, it?
0: really it? does, Yeah.
1: But, but that's a the point, right? Aren't you justified to feel that anger? Like Yes it and no. It doesn't make you a bad person because you don't like something. Furious rage in her eyes now. <laughs> so sort of in the final 10 minutes, um, I mean, there's so much to unpack from that anyway. Uh, I think what we worked out in the first sort of six months or so was that these specific therapies at that point for you didn't really... Help. They weren't specifically helping in the terms of technically, like the physio wasn't actually improving your walking. And what we needed to do was we needed to bring you to a state where you weren't dissociating. So we needed to make life enjoyable so that you would mm. wouldn't dissociate anymore. And then we could refine the little things. Although we were fairly fortunate, once you'd non you'd stop dissociating, the symptoms faded off. A lot of them faded off. So it was a case of keeping you from I dissociating. Don't, I don't remember. That's the problem because you dissociated um. <laughs> I remember that when we when
0: first went to that the when we went to the neurologist, my big brain doctor, I went in with like two a four sheets of symptoms mm. of random things, but if you ask me now i apart from my main ones like walking speech memory, I'm sure there were lots of others but i I couldn't tell you for love nor money what they were
1: and i and that's and I was I think we got initially very blinded by the broad variety of symptoms. People thinking that each symptom—it's not like, you know, it's not like,
0: everything is linked to FND. Sometimes you just have a funny five minutes. Is y- yes, but it's very easy to make the link between them.
1: Yes, you I can't help it. The symptoms are like I know if, for medical practitioners, they're not supposed to be treating the symptoms are they? They're supposed, supposed to be, be treating, treating the, the whole cord. picture exactly. And that was always the case. Like I know certainly at the start we were like and that was exactly what the approach is. Oh, you don't walk, we'll give you physio. You can't speak, we'll give you speech and language. You know.
0: We won't run a test though to make sure that your brain's okay. We'll just leave that one be. We'll just yeah, give but, you a walking frame. Yeah, that yeah. works. There you go. problem's solved.
1: Until she's got a little bit of residual anger about that.
0: No, really.
1: <laughs> but the point is that actually the the individual symptoms aren't um causational to so you're not walking, you don't necessarily need to go learn to rewalk sort of thing. I think if you had a long period of time of inactivity absolutely physiotherapy is going to help you you know if you haven't been able to speak for years then yeah the muscles are probably going to atrophy and you're going to need mm. support in that specific and that was area. the other thing
0: that kept coming up it was like well there's no physical damage okay there's no physical damage but there's still something wrong with me mm. like that's quite often said and that's what's been coming up on like my, my twitter feed a lot recently is a study about how doctors give the diagnosis If you say there is nothing physically wrong with someone, but they have got something going on that's causing a problem, all that does is make them feel rubbish. You've got to think about the way you phrase it to people because otherwise you just believe that you are going crazy Mm. and that you're making it up and people think you're doing it for attention. And I'm pretty sure there are a handful of people out there, whether they're professionals or not, who believe I did all of this for attention and I chose to do it because I wanted attention I felt like I wasn't getting any, so I chose to make myself poorly, and I chose to walk funny to get attention. I'm sure people might think that about my page, the reason I share what I share. Oh, she's just after attention. I'm after attention for FND. I'm not after attention for me. I'm after the attention so people don't go through what we went through. That's why I'm after that attention. It's very specific attention, and it's nothing to do with my ego. It's for other people, but I think when you phrase it, oh, there's nothing physically wrong with you, you're fine. Well, clearly you're not fine if you can't walk.
1: And that's a societal thing anyway, isn't it? There's a case of we, you know, there's so many things in the body that can go wrong. But if something goes wrong in the brain, you know, all things... You can't put a cast on the brain. No, and it, and it's not, you know, it's not going to, in the vast majority of cases, it's not going to show. But things no. like any addiction you've got is an issue in the brain, you know, or for the vast majority of cases... It's an issue in the brain. It's an approach to your thinking. It's an approach to the way you solve problems that has caused it. And I think it's because historically, and as you're going to expect, like the NHS is specifically formed to really function only on emergency cases. It does a much lesser job for long-term issues. It's really good at keeping you alive. If there's some problem, you know, don't worry about it. It's got you covered. But once you're stable, if you're not dying on the table... It's not got as much for you. And that's, you know, that's just uh, down to allocation resources. So that's understood. Um,
0: I think it's just important that if there are medical professionals listening, if you work with someone who's got FND, if you are about to go through the process of diagnosing someone with FND, please choose your words carefully because it sticks with them. Like the first neurologist that ever saw me, it stuck with me because he told me it was all in my head. Now, looking back, yes, FND is in my head, but the way he phrased it with the tone he delivered it with has caused something of a bit of resentment, if I don't know if you can tell, for me. But I just think it's important, and lots of other people I've spoken to have had similar experiences where it's not been put across in the best way. I'm sure there there are wonderful doctors out there who have put it across in a great way, and if anyone's out there and is listening and has had that please do share it because actually I think it's important to give those doctors a shout out as well. But just be mindful of the words that you choose because it, it can do a lot of damage. It can stop someone's recovery quite quickly. And I think that's got a lot of power in it.
1: So I would say generally we seem to have covered
0: nothing of what we set out. Well, to. Well,
1: nothing we really plan to, but we've actually covered a good chunk of the dissociative stuff. Um, and not really any of the things that got you out of the dissociative state. But that's absolutely fine, because we can always talk about that another time. Um, but, I mean, the the dissociative stuff and the psychology side really interests me anyway. Because I've I always been thinking, what can I do to be better? How can I help you? Um, and the more I understand things, it doesn't even necessarily need to be true. Like, if it still works, if it's still successful, like, I'm pretty sure anyone just wants... They just want everyone to get better, don't they? Mm. Everyone just wants, how can I help? Um, and so you know, it's sort of helpful for me, but it might be helpful for others to understand like my thinking and your thinking on which things, because it's only recently that we've realised you were always there during your dissociative state, and that and you know now learning that that recalibrates everything. And I think, oh right, there are opportunities there when I think you're gone in inverted commas, never gone, yeah, but just obviously napping. you had no way of.
0: I'm just napping. Talking. I like to nap. <laughs>
1: you nap much less now so once you've had the, once you've been given that freedom um, I think that's what you do now you simply reform your personality is to be the person you want to be
0: without naps
1: yeah sans naps but that's sans naps. naps sans naps um, <laughs> but I mean I think that's that's perfectly fine like naps I are think important naps are important
0: whether that's a natural nap or my kind of nap and naps used, are
1: important you used to nap a lot as well you were like a little like I was
0: a little baby Yeah, and
1: nap and you would nap for like 18 hours a day or something <laughs> um but yeah I,
0: I was tired a lot of all this brain work it's, it's tiring yeah um, you know it's fine the other thing we can discuss next time is like brain ache because that's a fun one
1: mmm I haven't really talked about brain ache no. we? I don't know if that's, that's a that's the next joy
0: of next time so you know so
1: we'll cover a bit of brain ache and we'll also cover some practical things that you can do that might improve your situation um or they're just that she's fun ideas. She's mad and she likes to do random activities.
0: that. So if you've tried anything that you found helps, please let us know. So shout out to us on Twitter, Life with FND, or on Facebook, or send us an email, living with FND at hotmail dot com. Let us know what you have experienced. If you've had a brilliant diagnosis from someone and they phrased it in a really fab way, obviously let us know that as well. We want to shout out to the doctors that are doing a fab job with FND. As well as those ones that we wish had done slightly
1: better jobs. FAB, FAB, uh, from Thunderbirds. A fab and,
0: job. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to um, this episode of Talking It Out About. Feel free to reach out to us. We are on Facebook on, under the name Life with FMD on Twitter as well. Or if you want to send us an email, it's livingwithfnd at hotmail.com. Hopefully we'll see you guys next time.